1: Welcome to the Roto-Wire College Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, July thirty first. Nick Whalen, joined by the great John McKechnie. Um, as you're probably recognizing, if you've listened to this podcast, this is not the normal voice. This is not Mario Puig. Um, what? I'm gonna. Be, I know, right? <laughs> I, I didn't tell you. I just jumped in. <laughs> uh, Mario has resigned in shame from the college football podcast. Yes. Um, Exiled. No, he's actually extremely busy with NFL stuff, and I love college football. John knows more about college football than anyone I know. We've been good buds in the office for a long time. Haven't really done a lot of podcasts together. Plenty of radio, Uh, so I was really excited when when John asked if I kind of wanted to pilot this thing uh, for him. Which I'm basically going to just kind of set things up for you. Let you do most of the talking. Um, I'll chime in every now and then. You know, if I have a nugget about you know a Mario Manningham, a Lyman Swede. Um, you know, yeah. someone like that yeah, uh, the to the sharp choice,
2: if you will, the regular Lima, uh, Lima Swede uh, Memorial uh, moment yep. for every podcast, every segment, or er- one segment per per episode we will we will talk about I was thinking
1: Sweden. maybe a moment of silence, two to four minutes where you all, you we just kinda of think back, you close your eyes, you know, you, you block out Jordan Shipley, and you just focus um you just focus on on guys like Lima Sweet and what they meant to you. Um
2: yeah. yeah, you can you can just erase the call map off your phone. This will be like that that like moment of meditation for you <laughs> that you can find. Lima ASMR. Exactly. <laughs> um so we don't really have a ton of structure
1: with this. I think we'll have more structure as we go. Um, at least that's the hope. But Big Ten, Big Twelve, the big conferences are on the slate today. Good boys, um, I know John has a ton of info for for fantasy purposes, DFS purposes. We'll get into some betting, um, and that's I think you know ho- how we're hoping to structure this going forward. You know, maybe a fifty fifty split of week to week fantasy, um, and then you know the the best bet says. As we see fit, you know, throughout the season and you have sites like FanDuel now, the FanDuel Sportsbook offering, you know, even if you just click over to that page, there's so much more information there than there's been in the past when it comes to betting like you, I mean, two years ago, even you had to hunt down title odds on sites that you didn't know if they would crash your computer or not, you could basically find title odds, conference odds and Heisman odds and that was about it and and you know FanDuel and, and plenty of other
2: sites as well have really expanded their offerings. Yeah, exactly. So the ton of information out there to to find um you know the the lines that you'd want to look for, you know, especially if you're in a state that that has the legalized uh online sports betting, then that that's a great resource and that yeah, there's tons of sites out there but yeah, the the strides that I think that uh, college football is made in terms of uh, betting and also just the fantasy I mean with Yahoo launching their uh, power five plus Notre Dame uh, mm-hmm. game last year and that that's back up again for this season and of course fan tracks with their all-inclusive 130 teams and then yeah DraftKings and FanDuel having having DFS back I think is an mm-hmm. awesome improvement for just the, the so many ways that you can enjoy college football i mean you can just enjoy just watching it you know late at night on a saturday pac-12 after dark is always entertaining but now there's just so much ways that you can get action on it as well
1: so did i read correctly either late last week or early this week
2: that <clears throat> pac-12 after dark might now be like pac-12 early morning that that is a it's something that's on the table you can always count on the pac-12 to just kind of uh trip themselves up uh, or uh you know any other way you want to you want to put that, but yeah, Pac-12 just routinely. I mean, the Pac-12 network has been largely a disaster. I compared it to Bigfoot last year. It it, it allegedly exists, yeah. but no one's ever seen it. I've never
1: never once come across it. And if you see it on the guide, it is always locked, no matter what oh, oh, yeah. TV package you have.
2: <laughs> you have the ultimate ultimate premium God level one, and you still do, you still <laughs> are not able to see uh, what's going on in the Pac-12. So yeah, that. It wouldn't. I wouldn't surprise me if they make a dumb decision like that. But I know Mike Leach came out staunchly against it. Um, had a big statement. I think it came out uh, Tuesday of the, of this week. You know, saying that that's just going to be terrible for the fans. It's going to make it hard for people to yeah. get to. It's. I mean, the players are already exhausted as it yeah. is. I mean, call time for players on a nine a.m. local game. It's going to be like four in the morning, and they're, they've already had a full week of class and practice. It's just. It's completely short-sighted. I, I think it'll the public will just kind of make this decision for the Pac-12. Well,
1: the nice thing is I would help with attendance. You know, I, I think the number one thing that I look for, especially student attendance, I went to Wisconsin, you went to Georgia. We've both been familiar with these situations. The earlier, the better. You know, if we if they could kick off at 6 a.m., that would be ideal. Lovely. Um, i mean, Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, 90% of Wisconsin's games when I was in school and, and still to this day were like 11 a.m. starts. And if we were blessed with a 2.30, that was huge because – I mean, you're getting up. You, I mean, I I was personally never that into it, but we had people, you know, friends who would get up, and I'm sure you did too for you know 5 a.m. wake up call for an 11 a.m. kickoff. If the game's kicking off at 9 a.m., I, you can only push that back so far.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it. I mean, there's just it just makes no sense, and yeah, I think it would turn the every individual fan base like against you know the the administration, the organization. It's like you guys, it, like it's already hard enough to get tickets or you guys already make us jump through enough hoops to get these student tickets and then you're going to make us go at 9 a.m on a, on a saturday when i routinely skip your classes that i pay for <laughs> at 9 a.m during the week
1: i went one for four i don't know how georgia does student tickets but wisconsin does a lottery where i don't they used a computer program from like 2004 and you just were in this kind of portal and then, if it loaded, Always with the portal. Over, yeah over the course, I had to like take off work in the summer to <laughs> just like have six computers going. I had my mom
2: doing it at work, my dad at at work, one for four I, they did um they did all sorts of really cool, terrible things like uh when I was a freshman, they gave you the half season home package, so like you you got you got one where like the Arkansas game with Ryan Mallett was the crown jewel oh. of of well, your yeah. of your home game experience, and then uh, the other one would be Vanderbilt or something like that. So that was always a lot of fun. And then uh, sophomores apparently had a huge uh, attendance issue, so they started just giving full seasons to freshmen, and that just made everyone really upset. And then uh, the 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 away games or. Um, it, if we ever made the sec championship game it was always just an absolute crapshoot in yep. terms of like you know actually deserving to get the tickets versus actually getting them
1: it got a little spoiled by the end of college i hate to admit it I, it was tough to get up and and like really really want to go to a game when central connecticut state is on the schedule um and i'm, I'm sure it was the same way down south as well
2: um yeah, austin p coming in yeah <laughs> i think
1: like we played them a couple times too probably one too many times uh, did you want to start with your left guard fantasy rankings, or do you want to do quarterbacks right away? Um,
2: yeah, we'll table left guards for now. I'm still like you know, kind of in the lab on those. Yeah. But quarterback, I have a little bit more ready, ready and fired up here.
1: Okay, so number one on this list, you know, we're we're just going to combine Big Twelve and, and Big Ten for these purposes. Jack Cohn, that's crazy! Wow, <laughs> you, tell me about Jack Cohn. That wrong. <laughs>
2: <The grammar's laughs>
1: no, Justin Fields. Justin Fields. He, if you look at our cheat sheet on RotoWire.com um every now and then i'll take a peek over at john's computer when i'm coming back from the bathroom and he's been working on these almost every single time that i walk by for the last like three months so a ton of work has gone into these these are not arbitrary whatsoever there's a lot of stat projections that have gone into everything on the site uh so definitely check those out but number two overall um among do
2: do all conferences go into these rankings on the cheat sheet uh yes they do uh we're gonna have another update that that rounds out the full uh Mm -hmm full landscape the full 130 team so that'll be out on friday of this week but for right now we just wanted to make sure that we had the power five plus notre dame plus uh you know kind of like the top of the top the, the creme de la creme so you're derek kings from houston right. and and nathan Rourke from ohio but yeah all of the power five stuff is, is is done and even with even with the new batch of projections coming i still feel confident that justin fields will will remain uh second on our projections coming into this year and i know it's a little bit risky it's a roll of the dice to you know you we got a guy who you know only only threw so many passes last season as a true freshman at Georgia um, you know and then he has to go to Ohio State get cleared get the get the waiver and then go through spring ball go learn a new system again so that you know this is his second college system get ingratiated with his new teammates obviously Ohio State lost three uh, NFL receivers. Uh, they also lost one of their better running backs in Mike Weber. Um, So you know there are cases to be made against Fields, but I'm betting on the talent here, and and just I'm also betting on Ryan Day. I think that he's going to keep the ship afloat in uh, in Columbus as far as how this offense is going to run. I think Fields is more of the prototypical Ohio State quarterback than a, than a Dwayne Haskins was. Obviously, Ohio State will take a Dwayne Haskins anytime they yeah. can get it. I mean, best pure passer that that school has ever had. Not even close. Uh, Craig Krenzel sorry yeah, um, just, hey, Troy Smith is going to be calling in in five minutes <laughs> his, his wisdom teeth removed <laughs> um but yeah Fields rocket arm I mean there's a very good reason why like he was briefly ahead of Trevor Lawrence in the you know recruiting rankings their senior year they were kind of duking it out to be one and two um Fields uh, you have great athlete in addition to having the cannon arm. I think if they run that power spread read option type of stuff with fields, I mean, the fantasy payoff is going to be enormous. The rushing production that you're going to get from him, in addition to him being, you know, an ascending passer, I think it just it makes all the sense in the mm-hmm. world for him to be you know, ranked inside that top two.
1: So first of all, this is very big of you to rank him as high uh, as you have given his connections to Georgia. Um, yes. is that still going to be just a sore subject? Like if they ever face Georgia in a bowl game
2: or in a oh, college football imagine? playoff game. Cause that, that could happen. I mean, and this could theoretically like be very From's easily last happen. year. Right. So yeah. I, and I actually think Ohio state is better than Michigan for, for this season. I know a lot of people are on the, this is Michigan's year. Uh, they've, you know, they've been waiting to launch those balloons for a while, but I still think it's Ohio state's conference to lose. Um, it, is it a sore subject? It's, I hate the acrimony that came with it. Like, I understand wanting to leave when you when you realize like, okay, I, I'm going to be waiting two years to, to really take over mm-hmm. this team. I'm not going to be starting until I'm a junior. That That's, shouldn't have been a surprise. Yeah, I, it really shouldn't have. I mean, like, you, the level of confidence you have to have in yourself to think, oh, this guy just took this team as a true freshman yeah. uh, who beat out another five-star guy uh, and took this team to a national championship. I'm betting on myself that I'm going to go ahead and beat him out. So, right. I mean, the the stones on Justin Fields for that, impressive. But, uh, you know, he goes ahead and transfers to Ohio State, uh, starts liking all of Tate Martell's sister's Instagram post, uh, posts, apparently. Oh, really? So okay. So that's a pretty special uh... online uh, maneuver that, that happened. I, I was unaware of that until... Yesterday, when I was listening to <laughs> another college football podcast, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, I knew that there was some acrimony between Fields and Tate Martell, uh, another big deal guy. But I mean, for Fields to to, to pull that move, I thought was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Riley Martell
1: with two E's. Wow! Two. Is she famous for anything but being Tate Martell's sister? Not to my knowledge. Seventy-one thousand uh, Instagram followers. Holy smokes! Wow. She lives in Miami, Las Vegas, and L.A. Okay, um we'll, we'll cover Worldwide. that. I think we'll cover that on our uh you know instagram sisters of college football stars podcast later on that's on the patreon yeah (laughs) so uh before we move on to number two um in in our big conference quarterback rankings what what are we talking for like realistic projections for justin fields on the site we have 30 touchdowns passing 11 picks um and then 668 rushing yards 10 touchdowns is that a little bit on the conservative end i'm looking at the touchdowns especially thinking how many times Ohio State has run over Wisconsin with the read option? You know, you get inside the fifteen yard line, inside the ten yard line. I feel like there's going to be a ton of opportunities to to rack up, you know, more than one
2: rushing touchdown per game for fields when it's all said and done. Yeah, there there's I definitely left it on the more conservative side as far as the rushing goes, because yeah, that there, there is uh that element. May maybe, you know, we just don't know exactly Uh, how Ryan Day is going to structure this offense exactly and how much he's going to want to have Fields shoulder the passing load versus, you know, like just trying to get the most out of his his pure athleticism and his pure like game breaking ability as a rusher so um, I would be surprised if he goes under the 10 rushing touchdowns specifically I think that we could see him I think he's regardless going to go for 40 total touchdowns whether it's like 28 passing and 12 rushing or, or some other combination thereof but I do feel like as far as just over the course of this season 40 touchdowns in a, in and of itself might even be a slight conservative projection but I mean I, I couldn't go that crazy with it or have him you know end up being projected over like a Derek King yet
1: okay so King as we alluded to number one overall in the quarterback rankings at, uh, accounting for all conferences fields number two
2: number three on that list Jalen Hurts yes another transfer another transfer this one uh, he got his got his degree from Alabama uh, and obviously went over to Oklahoma he's Completely different from you know what we've seen the last few years between Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Those guys are just absolutely special when it comes to uh, their passing abilities. Um, I think Hertz has a has a another level to reach as far as a passer, and I don't, I don't think even if he makes a drastic improvement, he'll ever kind of reach the levels of a of a, uh, of a Murray or a Baker Mayfield. But at the same time, I think Lincoln Riley has the potential to kind of unlock uh, some of that. Uh, within Jalen Hurts and obviously his his rushing ability is is incredible as well. The guy's strong as an ox for for as big as he is, and um, you really cannot fail with that support in Cassidy as at Oklahoma. I mean, C.D. Lamb obviously the, there's no Hollywood Brown anymore, uh, C.D. Lamb, but this this trio of true freshman receivers that they have is just preposterous. I mean, Theo Wiese, um and Trajan Bridges and uh, Jaden ha- Hazelwood all incredible. I think they're all top twenty recruits. Um, Comprise like three of the top five uh receivers in this class period nationwide so a lot of talent there and then Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks at, at running back there's just no way that this offense fails and, and with Hertz being kind of at the helm of that ship it's just gonna go well and playing in the Big 12 is just such a I mean it's that's a, it's a conference that you want to target especially mm-hmm. if you're if you're you know if you're grabbing your quarterback that's a good place to start so I love Jalen Hurts. I think
1: this is going to go really well. Um, you know, I, I don't remember what some show I was watching over the weekend was having a will will uh, Jalen Hurts win the Heisman conversation. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I think he'll likely be in the conversation at times throughout the year. Do you have any concern that? he'll have you know whether it's tanner mordecai or spencer rattler like you know if jalen hurts if if there's a rough start if it are if three games in and he just doesn't look as crisp as we're expecting is there any chance that he loses this job at some point i mean i know that's an absolute doomsday scenario but um and it could just be coach speak but you know a couple of weeks ago we have lincoln riley you know reassuring everyone that this is a quarterback competition. He'll have to earn it. Um, is that anything more than coach speak to you?
2: I I mostly think that that's to placate Spencer Rattler because Rattler committed before Hertz Mm -hmm. made the transfers and Rattler was, uh, this particular class of quarterback was not as highly rated as, as, you know, the Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields one from the, from the previous year, Jake Fromm and Tua from the year before that. Um, but it's, uh, Rattler was one of the best ones. I think he was a top five, uh, overall, uh, quarterback in this one. So I think that Riley wants to make sure that he's, you know, he's not going to, to, um, ditch after, after one season. So I think that having it be- being diplomatic about it and having the uh, the quarterback competition actually unfold during fall camp I think it it makes sense and it it does kind of light a fire under Jalen Hurts like you do have to win this job after Mm -hmm. all and and I think that I think in the end he will and regarding you know the the question if he struggles I just it's it's so it's gonna be so hard for them to struggle I think like the baseline of Oklahoma struggling could be like they only beat D- TCU by like two touchdowns right. or something or like you get off to a really slow start against K-State or something yeah. um but i think that there could be you know things that happen that don't actually result in losses for Oklahoma that maybe makes that that sooner fan base a little bit uneasy about hurts but i mean as as my projections say like i'm i'm confident that he he's their full season starter and he's able to you know keep this machine rolling so number three on this list, and this is going to be a
1: theme, you know, I think as we go conference to conference, another, another dual threat quarterback, Adrian Martinez, Nebraska, um, 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions as a freshman, uh, eight rushing touchdowns, over 600 yards on the ground. Uh, I mean, how much of a step forward are
2: we looking now in year two? I think a pretty significant one. I think that um, he can get better as a passer. I think that his his athleticism, especially um, if Maurice Washington, the running back, if, if his uh, legal situation doesn't really get settled and they need to ask a little bit more of Martinez on the ground, I think that that could be huge. Uh, he's got a great receiver in J.D. Spielman. They got some other guys. I think Wandale Robinson is sort of a, a slash guy, whether he's a running back or a receiver true freshman he's going to be really good so the supporting cast is great i just think it's also me kind of giving a tacit endorsement of what scott frost can do to a program and and what he can get out of quarterbacks and i'm very scared yeah I would i'm be very too. scared as a wisconsin the, fan we we've been very fortunate
1: coming. with i mean for for most of the last like decade and a half michigan's been down um nebraska has just not even been a consideration penn nope. state was
2: down for a lot of that time and uh yeah all that all that's kind of coming back around now yeah, so and Martinez is a huge part of that, and you know he obviously knows this offense in and out. Uh, now he's not he's not a freshman anymore. He had a, a famously rocky start last season, mm-hmm. but he also took Nebraska up to Ohio State and made them sweat uh, mm-hmm. as a true freshman late in that season. Um, so I, I think that there is certainly another level there. I think that there's reasons why some people have Martinez as their dark horse Heisman candidate no relation to Taylor Martinez, right? Just to be Not clear. Not to my knowledge. Okay, that's good. I think I did research that like immediately when I saw that yeah. it's like, <laughs> you got Martinez, what the?" Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so Spencer Sanders, Ohio State or excuse me, Oklahoma State at number 4, Sam Ellinger, Texas number 5. Um, how close is that battle between those two?
2: Um, it it's really comes down to your risk aversion, like when when you're drafting, Ellinger is the sure thing. Um, I, you know, I think we saw especially towards the end of last year uh, that he's basically Texas's best goal line threat. I mean, because he's he's not tall, um, so he can kind of get real low, and and he's unbelievably strong, especially in the lower half. So he can just bowl his way into the end zone. He's one of the like kind of just cheat codes, cheat yeah. codes. I'm sorry uh, at, at the goal line. So you expect double dish it, double digit. Uh, rushing touchdown production from him Uh, losing little Jordan Humphrey is a little bit tough you know he was kind of like the security blanket uh, for them but he still has Colin Johnson who's you know six foot six or six foot five and has great hands so I mean there's there's a lot to like there and I think Texas has recruited at a level where like they're going to be more talented than by a long shot than any team they step on the field against barring Oklahoma and LSU so Uh, gotta love Ellinger Sanders is the great unknown but he could be the guy that that helps you win your league because he's got a ridiculous arm uh the receivers at Oklahoma State especially Tylan Wallace really good they have a good run game and it's just you know one of those things where in college football it's kind of unique you can bet on the system and Mike Gundy's system no, no matter how good or bad the quarterback is it from like an NFL perspective they churn out top level fantasy production like just bar none what kind of uh, NFL prospect is Tywan Wallace? Um, I think that he is is in that next group outside of, you know, uh, LaVisca Chennault, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. Um, those guys kind of make up a, a, a clear top tier, but I think Wallace is in that conversation for being a tier two uh, type of guy. He's got really game-breaking speed. I think mm-hmm. he has better NFL potential than James Washington did coming out a couple seasons ago.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Let's move on to running backs. So unsurprisingly, number one, uh, again, just considering the big 10 and the big 12, but Jonathan Taylor is also number one overall, just under 2000 yards as a freshman, got over 2000 yards as a sophomore. It almost feels like anything short of 2000 now as a junior is is going to end up being a disappointment, which is insane to say. Uh, My biggest fear right now is he's well on pace to break Rondane's school record and national record <laughs> it should be a nightmare scenario
2: <laughs> your brand would take a hit that I'd, i don't know if it can i mean that would be catastrophic but yeah the fact that he is you know within shouting distance of the all time record after just two seasons is crazy preposterous he's and going to
1: get it if he stays even
2: relatively healthy and comes back for his fourth year right i would imagine so i think he would smash it He'd but I, I think it. at the same time if you're a running back you you yeah. know what the clock is ticking. I mean, we, we see what's going on in the NFL right now with all the holdouts and stuff. Guys with that rookie pay scale not, mm-hmm. not being able to get paid enough early on, especially if you are running back. But Taylor, if he yeah, if he goes off for like a Barry Sanders esque season, I think that yeah that that record is attainable here for him and uh, for this year specifically. Nobody has a more safe workload than him. No, no offense is more tailored to you know a, a running back's. Uh, Strengths than than his I mean this Wisconsin offensive line is you know like clockwork it's awesome and they're not going to ask the quarterback whether it's Cohn or Graham Mertz to throw up more than like 20-25 times a game so you you figure Jonathan Taylor is just going to be getting all these all this work if Wisconsin's good then I think there could be a Heisman push involved here Um, so I mean it's just we're looking at a potential like Monty Ball last season scenario but I think Taylor obviously has a lot more NFL potential
1: I think so too. Yeah. And Monty Ball, you know, remembering back to, I guess that would have been what, 2013, something like that. I believe, um, had so much hype that he almost, you know, he had a good season. He started off really slowly. Um, There was famously a couple Monty Ball buses that were driving around town with his face all over him. (laughs) Um, And there was so, so much hype that, you know, he would have like 150 yards and two touchdowns against like a, you know, an FCS team. And it still felt like a disappointment. And I mean, it's a compliment, but I almost feel like Taylor has gotten to that point too where, if he's not getting close to 200 yards and two plus touchdowns every single game, he set the standard so high that that it's almost tough to live up to. And, you know, if he can get in the conversation with with Lawrence and Tua, I think that's if he can finish third behind those two guys like that, that to me, given their stature, it would would almost be like winning the Heisman in most years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so he he's a unanimous number one. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah, I don't think you'll find anyone else that that thinks otherwise is, and then especially within the within the scope of Big 10, Big 12, but yeah, yeah, I think I think just in general if you at this stage are saying Travis Etienne or or um an Eno Benjamin, you're you're almost just like hedging, I guess more than anything yeah. be or just trying to be like slightly contrarian. It's not that contrarian, you're just mixing the top like the consensus top 3 running backs like you're not right. really coming coming off the top rope with anything new or, or special by, by saying that so I think either way Jonathan Taylor ends up the season mm-hmm. RB1 he enters the season RB1 uh, wire to wired, no problem so a pretty big gap between him
1: I would guess and number two on your list um, I, I know you told me it's pronounced Chuba but I really wish it was pronounced uh, Chuba. Chuba <laughs> Hubbard Oklahoma State and you've also noted here that he's Canadian
2: sure is i think he's i think he's from ontario it's a pretty big advantage or he might be from alberta, from alberta but yes uh, the the canadian factor um definitely helps him in those cold weather games in stillwater oklahoma um but you know he was able to kind of i think in some people's minds uh outperform justice hill or or at least on a per carry basis last year and i think there's not as much competition for him this year obviously justice hill was going to be the starter he was a veteran on that roster a a season ago so uh this is the hubbard show now and and again you know i know we were just talking about spencer sanders the 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 likely quarterback there but i think there's a slight chance that mike gundy kind of wants to take the pressure off sanders and not have him chuck it 40 45 times a game and you know there's there's a viable way of doing that by by giving hubbard maybe a little bit more work than we've seen usually from oklahoma state running backs and i think he has a talent to make that work and the schedule sets up really nicely too
1: number three reggie corbin illinois uh rbu you know when you when you think illinois you
2: think yeah at least i think richard mendenhall josh ferguson yep <laughs> i don't know who that is <laughs> he, he was when i like first got hired at rotowire to be the big 10 writer like mm-hmm. he was, he was the running back there and him and geronimo allison and mike mm. dudek those those were like the mikey, guys did mikey dudek tears acl like seven times seven that times him? i yeah, believe okay. yeah still yeah
1: currently torn right now uh so corbin just broke a thousand yards last year nine touchdowns uh um, 1085 to be exact um not not a huge threat out of the backfield last year under 200 yards didn't find the end zone um, is that going to be kind of how it goes again? You know, and, and again, you know, we're not, we're not saying he's the third best running back in the country, just focusing on the big 10
2: and the big 12, um, a little bit of a down year for running backs in these conferences. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think there's a chance that, uh, if one of the Oklahoma guys truly ascends and, and, and gets like, gets the firm, uh, number one role then, then I think that we're having a different conversation but it's so hard to pick between Trey Sermon and, and Kennedy Brooks cuz both bring so much to the table and it wouldn't make sense for Oklahoma to overload one of them and and you know underserve the other one so yeah it it's a, it's a bit muddled once you get past those top two guys in my opinion and Corbin obviously um you know the team context isn't great they're going to be playing from behind a decent bit but I mean, he's the best player on that offense by far. He was so explosive, even with those factors working against him a season ago. Even if you know there's some regression that happens in terms of his yards per carry, explosiveness, um, I think that he's in a situation where he's unchallenged enough in that backfield to where um, he's going to be the workhorse. I think he can handle it, and I think he will do well with it as well.
1: All right, so Kennedy Brooks, who you mentioned, um, you know, probably the slight favorite among those two at Oklahoma. He's number five on our list, but number four, uh, Stevie Scott from indiana tell me about him
2: uh he's just kind of he's a guy that was always underrated as a recruit um i think that he's he falls in that same kind of jordan howard-esque running style very strong lower body and and uh good forward lean pad level um i think that indiana as much as they like to throw it um stevie scott is is a very very important part of this offense. And, and I think that we could see a bit of an improvement as, from him as a pass catcher. I think that, uh, they lost their, their top like slot guy, So maybe some of that short area passing work, uh, ends up going to Stevie Scott. Um, so I, I like him a fair bit for this year. Uh, again, in the context of, of these two conferences, I, I, I feel comfortable putting him at, as the fourth best. I think that he's, he's, he's a very safe pick. I don't know how much like improvement he's going to make overall, but I think that, uh, you know, a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns are um, are pretty bankable when it comes to him. All right. So as was the case with running backs, Jonathan Taylor, the number one overall
1: player in our projections at the position, the number one overall player on this list as well, Rondell Moore, Purdue. Um, I was going to say he's one of my favorite players to watch. I think that goes without saying at this point, if he's not on your list, he's kind of a free space yep. at this point. How
2: the hell did this guy end up at Purdue? Um, I think so. He's from Kentucky originally. I think he's from the Louisville area. So, Brahm has known about this guy for a while. Um, and I think he was either initially very interested in or committed to Texas. Mm-hmm. So, Texas flubbed this up pretty royally. If, if you're going to let yeah. a talent like I'll, that. I'll bleep that out. It, and of, And of course, you know, Louisville, I mean. I guess that they've just taken it they've fallen on such hard times these days that that of course uh, it's like I'm not, not interested up, in Louisville I'm, I'm going to Purdue. Please no yeah get me <laughs> so, get me to West Lafayette post haste. Um but yeah, he, how he got there is is amazing but uh, kudos to Brahm and then kudos to Brahm for also just kind of not playing the whole like oh he he doesn't have enough experience blah blah blah. Yeah. Moore was like lighting up the weight room and 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 fall practice uh, and I'm sure the engineering classroom as well. Oh, you know it. All, all summer long, you know, the machine learning while also squatting 600. So yeah, Moore is just he's special and you could tell fr- from that first game against Northwestern last year that he was going to be uh just an unbelievable player for Purdue and I don't really see that changing this year. I think that this this offensive philosophy tends to skew towards the run more than pretty much any other Big Ten program. And I think Elijah Sindelar can handle that uh, the way that David Blau did a year ago, as long as he keeps the interceptions down. But, I mean, Moore can also get you points on punter or kick returns. Right. I mean, anytime he touches the ball, it can go to the house. I don't think there's a more exciting player in college football at the skill positions than him. So yeah. Yeah, it's a no-brainer, number one for me.
1: He's basically quarterback-proof at this point? Yes. Okay. And,
2: and, it's I mean, it's not like Sindelar uh, is, is bad or anything. He has plenty of experience in his own right. And I think he played on a torn ACL. In a bowl game two years ago so i mean the, the, oh. the toughness on that guy pretty
1: impressive <laughs> uh, so we talked about tylon Walls a little bit do you have anything you want to mention with him
2: he's number two on uh, this list and number two overall just you know touchdown machine deep threat but can also uh take the short and intermediate stuff and and take it the house uh, take it to the house so like him a lot and obviously the offense itself is great mm. and then CD Lamb just the new number 1 at Oklahoma really like his game i think that he's he him and Wallace are in a similar pro prospect tier as, as well and Lamb i think has another level to potentially unlock now that you know he's mostly going to kind of have to be the example maker for these freshmen and he doesn't have like a Hollywood Brown to be competing with yep. necessarily
1: hopefully a future jaguar CD Lamb he's on the short list he checks all the boxes yeah man um, so we have Colin Johnson from Texas at number four, Jalen Rieger, TCU, uh, at number five. Um, I, I noticed you have Rieger number three overall, uh, on the, on the overall rankings. Um, but a little bit behind Johnson, have those two kind of been jockeying for position in your personal rankings?
2: Um, I would say that was probably a, a little bit more of me flubbing the outline than, oh, sure. uh, than okay. uh, anything else. Jalen Rieger is appreciate your honesty. A, a total beast. Uh, he's unbelievable on, on like a, Uh, The volume especially is just insane. Like Nobody corners the market of of his offense quite like Jalen Rager, it seems like. Uh, The quarterback situation at TCU, a little bit shaky. They might be starting a a transfer from Kansas State. They might be starting a guy who, uh, as of... The bowl out of the Cheez It bowl was still working his way past the drop foot issue because he had a really bad knee injury when he was in high school. Yeah, um, so there, there's stuff there. But Rager also an impact guy on special teams, and they can you know get it to him on a jet jet sweep here and there. Uh, just he kind of reminds me of like Big 12 Miko Hardman with like a ton of volume attached to it basically. Okay. We're going to have to make sure to
1: work in the the phrase as of the Cheese it Bowl on every single podcast <laughs> okay. this year, if, if you don't mind.
2: <laughs> Please, yes.
1: Um, Colin Johnson, the other guy we mentioned, you and I, I, I think it was last week, we re uh, we rewatched, I should say, an entire Texas-Oklahoma game from last year. And Colin Johnson had a couple of insane catches mm-hmm. in that game, 6-6, um, you know, one of the biggest receivers in all of Power Five and obviously in all of the country. Uh,
2: first of all where is he as an nfl prospect um i think that he's is he too big he might be a little bit too big yeah. i mean like unless he can test like hakeem butler it's going to be uh he's going to be pretty scrutinized and obviously being the the wide receiver one at texas uh there's going to be a lot of eyes on him to to perform so he's going to need to put up a lot of numbers this year um so that he'll be a fantasy factor i feel like he should be kind of like a wide receiver two uh, type of guy on, on your team I, I wouldn't feel great about him uh, going in as your wide receiver one you want a little bit more volume uh, than what he can give you but I, I think that the touchdowns should be there I think he could definitely push for, for double digits and the, the yardage should be uh, pretty good as well so I, I like him a, a fair bit but there, there's uh, there are things left to prove entering a senior season here what are the
1: freshmen uh that you want to hit on? I know there are at least 3 receivers from Oklahoma. You you kind of hit on those a little bit earlier. There's a running back out of Texas. Uh there's a new running back in place in Iowa State. Um David Bell from Purdue. You can wherever you want to start first, we can
2: we can discuss. Okay. So with with this uh trio of freshmen at, at Oklahoma, uh Jaden Hazelwood, a uh, longtime Georgia commit, um he caught the game winning touchdown in the state championship on like the last play in the state of Georgia for like the highest class, uh, high school. I mean, the guy is just a beast. I mean, he's, he's got great size. He's great, got great speed, the frame. It, it can only get better from here. I believe he enrolled early, which is what something you always like to see. Uh, he's wearing when, AirPods in his two, four, seven photo. I I yes. that. <laughs> One of the great little elements to him. So yeah, he was, he was a bit of a diva oh, as, a, awesome. as a recruit, but yeah, just an absolute beast of a talent. So I, I, think that he gets on the field sooner rather than later. Theo Wiese, uh, he would be a guy that would be the jewel of this recruiting class, if not for Hazelwood. He, he's really, really good, um, big-bodied guy as well. He lit it up in, I think, the Under Armour game uh, th- this past uh, winter. And then Trajan Bridges, I think another longtime commit that that's really uh, a strong player. I, I'd probably rank them Hazelwood, Weiss, and, and Bridges as far as imp- impact for this season and beyond. But what can change between now and the end of this season obviously when it comes to Jordan Whittington of Texas I just am not that sold on Keonta Ingram and, and a lot, and the coaching staff at Texas has been I, I don't know if this is the coach speak to light a fire on under Ingram or not but they're like this Whittington guy is a freak and, and uh, I tend to listen when they when when coaches say things like that okay cool hook him and then uh so uh, yeah i think whittington could very well at least work his way into a split uh with with ingram this season so that that's a little bit not ideal as far as like your fantasy prospects but um i think it, from a Devi town ta- from a Devi perspective uh whittington's certainly a guy to keep an eye on uh, when it comes to Brees hall i'm fairly certain that he's the number one recruit in the iowa state class uh talented guy got on campus uh this past or last semester. So he he's had time to ingratiate himself into this offense and into the weight room, all that good stuff, get himself acclimated. And I mean, Dave Montgomery had like eighty percent of their carries last year, it felt like. So, um, they're replacing a ton and none of the guys that are on the roster currently or or that were when Montgomery was averaged more than like four, four point two yards per carry. Not that Montgomery was averaging a ton more than that. They they need to make some improvements on the offensive line, but Again, chasing volume, and I think Brees Hall, uh, from a talent perspective, is going to ascend to that top of that depth chart for Iowa State, and from there, I mean the you know 200 carries, 250 carries, uh, in the realm of possibility if he locks that down, and I, I do think he can. And then David Bell, you know, kind of in a similar vein as Rondale Moore, if if he does anything similar to Rondale Moore on the field, I'll be I'll be amazed. But I think it's another situation where it's like none of these other Purdue receivers outside of Rondale Moore really scare the defense, and apparently. Um, I think one of the one of the stories that I read on signing day in February was that the coaching staff was flipping out that they got uh, David Bell. So I think that he's another guy to keep an eye on.
1: You mentioned Brees Hall, um, <clears throat> recruiting wise. Yes, he is their number one uh, prospect in the class of twenty nineteen, top ten prospect ever for Iowa State. Not surprised. Um, I don't see Seneca Wallace anywhere on this list. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, would that be?
2: that must just like predate the 24-7 or something yeah i'm thinking so this looks like it only goes back to like oh two okay yeah i think he he must have been a recruit in like 99 yeah all right
1: we'll uh, switch gears a little bit to some betting talk uh we'll switch over to the FanDuel Sportsbook, sports book take a look at some of the season-long win total over unders um i just went through and did these for the nba uh obviously for college football they've been out for a while as well just give me like two or three uh, that you really like, whether it's you know hammering the over or hammering the under.
2: Um, I think the the Big Twelve. I like a lot of the unders. Um, I, I think that Iowa State losing Montgomery, losing Hakeem Butler, losing some guys, some key pieces on defense. Eight's a little bit rich, even with a, a relatively soft schedule. So you know you're betting on on them to win nine games, and I I have a hard time with that. I could see that number ending ending up pushing. Uh, TCU. I think that their talent is i think it's taken a step back i don't know if gary patterson's lost his fastball or he only regains his fastball when somebody says that he's lost his fastball well um, hopefully he hears this yeah and yeah so i just don't really love this tcu team i think they're they're good on defense they, they got some guys they always do but the offense is so clunky that like uh, un, unless they make this drastic improvement from a year ago I, i'm very skeptical of them winning eight wins and then texas for as much as we want to say that they're back and, and you know, the the schedule letting itself kind of – or lending itself to Texas, being able to prove itself, prove its metal, you know, get the win against LSU, get the win against Oklahoma and kind of launch themselves into that elite stratosphere and, and into the college football playoff, they are replacing like 80% of their production on defense, though, and that's, that's not nothing, especially in this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, going against LSU at a neutral site, that's going to be tough. Um, so you're betting on Texas to win ten wins. I think the the probability lies a little bit closer with them winning nine wins or winning nine games. I'm sorry.
1: Okay. What about the Big Ten?
2: Um, let's see. Before we wrap up here, I think Minnesota over seven and a half. I think that they they took some steps forward last year. They ended the season really strong. I think they hammered Purdue in one game last year. They like
1: they I, hammered Wisconsin as well. They for the first have. time in like
2: 15 years, was, but it I did was, happen. I could not believe that. Um, so I, I think that they they have enough coming back or they have, they have a lot returning on offense and then their defense is strong I like their defensive coordinator uh, Maryland just by virtue of them getting a couple of bye week games and if they're able to there's a lot that they're projected to be like one possession games uh, so you know if they can beat in Indiana they, they obviously should take care of Rutgers I, I think that there's a little bit of a chance here that they could upset Syracuse because they're at home and Syracuse has their big game that following week against Clemson Syracuse I feel like getting a little bit a little bit ahead of themselves uh in terms of the cockiness there so i could see them overlooking maryland maryland um you know they don't get the guaranteed win win against texas this year but um i think over four wins is definitely possible and purdue uh under seven wins i think that this as exciting as Rondell Moore is i think the rest of that roster is a little bit shaky. i think
1: the argument there is it's purdue yeah um, and i, yeah, I hate correct. to say it and i know i've talked a lot about wisconsin but i think i would go under on the badgers this year that quarterback situation is a bit of a mess they're you know, the line is always dependable, but there's, other than Biotis, there's a little bit of rebuilding there as well. That's, yeah, that's true.
2: So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical on Wisconsin this season as well.
1: Okay, final thing before we wrap, uh, there's a very interesting prop on Fandle. You can, you can bet the Heisman Trophy, you know, you can pick your candidate, there's, you know, a bunch, 20 or so options, or you can do, it's either going to be Tua or Trevor Lawrence or the field, minus 110 for either. Would you, would you take uh, one of those two quarterbacks or the field?
2: That is wow. That's uh, tough. I think I would go with the, with the Tua or Lawrence one because I think that Alabama saw what happened last year, where Tua had the Heisman locked up. Yes. and, and it's it just it is insane
1: did. that like Week Nine, it was the, it was the columns over. had already been written. I like, thought it, it was, was basically
2: d- over until like Conference Championship weekend. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think that Alabama will go full Tua here, and like unless somehow Jerry Judy puts up like two thousand receiving yards. Um, I don't think that that this Alabama team will cannibalize uh, Tua's chances at winning it. And I think that Alabama, an undefeated Alabama SEC champion, uh, would get it over like a Trevor Lawrence who, you know, I think he could have a Tua-esque season where, like, he just doesn't play in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap up there. A lot of good stuff here. Um, We'll be back next week. What conferences are going to be on tap there?
2: Uh, We'll get into the SEC
1: and the Pac-12 next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man.